Welcome to Cow Horse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. Cow Horse, Full Contact is a view into the industry from our eyes, seeing some of the people that we've seen and grown up with, and getting to hear some of the stories we've loved our whole cow horse lives and would like to share with you. And along the way, we might come up with a little bit of information that helps you on your journey in the cow horse. Welcome, folks. Cow horse, full contact. I'm Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday. We've got Ben Self behind the scenes. Today, we've got the 2017 World's Greatest Horseman Champion, John Swales. And I feel like I say this a lot, but this guy's been a hero of mine for a long time. Him and I split the uh, prelims high score and got us a pair of uh, the coveted Gordon Hayes stirrups, sponsored by Terry Rotto in memory of his son, Jason Rotto, my favorite prize that I've ever won. And hopefully John feels the same way. But we got a great surprise today and had John walk in the studio here while we were uh, recording. And so here it is, Off the Cuff with John Swales. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. So, here we are in Texas in February, and I like the tank top you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's pretty nice, huh? It's pretty it's nice. Pretty nice. Looks like it doubles as a, is that a sweater vest you have under it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wish she'd have pulled it over when you did the spray tan, because like when it slips, you can see the white lines. Right. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks like you trimmed the beard from hunting camp, though. Yeah, so sure did. kind of clean cut and a little bit. Yeah. Sweet. Did that used to be solid red? Yeah, it was no. at one time. Yeah, yeah. It's showing a some highlight, now. showing a little highlight, a little age and wisdom. Yeah, a little wisdom. <laughs> My favorite story, like I don't know, me and John. I don't know that. I I think we're friends. I don't know that he thinks we're friends, but <laughs> not after this. <laughs> not after this. <laughs> yeah. We're in uh, Paso. And, oh, there was a certain question raised about a cow pick for a non-pro. And uh, John got a little uh, agitated at the situation. And he's standing behind the judge's box. And I walk over, and I'm like, so you kind of look like you need a man hug. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing in Canada? Well, I don't know if it is in Canada, but I just thought it was in Texas, so I took it. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that's where, for me, our friendship really blossomed. It was helpful at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, so you just got down here from Canada. Good drive? Yeah, it was good. Yep. Roads were decent most of the way. Yep. Yeah. So did you bring a trailer load of them? Yep. Brought some three-year-olds to ride around, a couple to show, my boys showing in the youth bridal. So. Oh, nice. Hey, I saw the shaft tops that your dad was just making it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing cool. like last minute, but whatever. Right. <laughs> Family affair. Yeah. Outstanding. What, uh, you got a world's greatest horse this year? I do, yep. Yep. Uh, Metallic Cat Rose. Ooh. Well, Chance Lee Harmon shout out. Yeah. I showed her two years ago, and she was pretty good. Hopefully, she'll be better this time. Rock and roll. So, it's, uh, we're in 2020 now. So, three years ago, 2017, you uh, emerged victorious on He's a Diamond Spark. And uh, talk to us a little bit about that uh, last world's greatest experience there on Old Yeller. Well... Um, I guess it was early fall. The people that own him phoned me and asked me if I'd be interested in trying him, see if I would be interested in taking him. So, what what was the history on that horse? Who'd had him before? <coughs> what have you? I think Sandy Collier had him originally. Then Zane Davis had him for a little while. Then that's the horse Justin Warnicky. Justin Warnicky, right? yep. yes. Justin yep. showed him a bunch. I think he won the maybe the Hackamore Limited Hackamore something like that World Championship on him. He'd been really good for Justin, and Jesse and Elise Thompson bought him out of the Billings horse sale, and Jesse showed him at home a little bit, quite a bit actually, and did well on him, and um, so they asked if I'd be interested in taking him to World's Greatest, and I took him home, rode him around a little bit, he felt really good, so said, yeah, let's give it a go. And Right on, the rest is history. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Rock and roll. So how old was he? Oh, boy. About... 10 or 12 yeah mm. yeah he's he had some age on him still honest honest horse though so honest pure yep yep yeah so you've had a pretty long history coming down here the world's greatest i mean it's a long trek for you guys but i know i remember you showing maximum echo 
there in uh, Stephenville, right? Yeah, yeah. I showed twice in, once in Stephenville. I showed in 2005, I think it was. That was the first time I ever came down here. And then went to San Angelo a few times. I had Maximum Echo in it once. Horse called Smart Miss Wolf. She was made the finals <laughs> twice on her. And yeah. I know there are. Trump wants to build a wall in the south, but I know that uh, there's a handful of you guys that are awesome from up there in Canada that I've been wanting to uh, petition to maybe build a wall up there because it's uh, between you and Kaylee and Dale Clearwater and Cody shoot fire. It's uh, You guys come down here with a with some reckoning. <laughs> yeah, I think we need that. I need a petition yeah, a for it. Wall, I, it's ruining, ruining, ruining the market down here. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Taking all the spots away from the top. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can come down to judge. Yeah. Stay, stay up there in your frozen tundra land. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to get out of the cold for a couple of weeks in the winter. All right. So take us back a little bit. I mean, growing up, oldest of three siblings, from what I gather, by a lot. Yep, 10 years older than my sister, eight older than my brother, yep. Yeah, so just uh, beat them up and have you, had you two little minions as you were when you were growing up? Yep, yep, it was good. <laughs> Yeah, they had to put up a little, with a lot of abuse, yeah. Had somebody to clean your stalls and saddle your horses and things oh, like that? Oh, yeah, it didn't really work like that. <laughs> so talk a little bit about training up there in the north and dealing with the winters. And um, I don't know, maybe what you think the benefit of training indoors a lot in a smaller, quicker pin. Oh, you know, the training in the cold, I don't think is any different than training in the hot, you know, just kind of dress for it whereas you guys got to ride early early in the morning and you know we can we can ride anytime that's cold all the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, most of the time our winters aren't that bad sometimes we ride outside in the winter this winter we got a lot of snow so we're stuck inside but you know I, I don't think it's a bunch different we got a decent sized indoor now so you know just track cattle around and yeah it's no different, really. I don't. I don't think, other than, you know, we aren't outside, so that so we don't have as big a space. But you, you just learn to make do with whatever you got. For a long time, till a year ago, we only had a we had 120 by 90 indoor, so that's where we trained them all in there, and you just kind of figure out how to do it, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's a that's some big time horsemanship right there. And I know I say I try not to throw this around too much. I feel like the list of people that we've interviewed so far, I've, uh, I have interviewed a lot of my heroes in a short amount of time. But what really stood out to me about you, John, is when you guys would come down to the Snout Bit Fraternity and you guys would be paired up with your amateurs and them horses were outstanding in the amateur and then turn right around, and I'm talking about three-year-olds, and be super competitive in the open. Like, that is, that's something special. I don't know if anybody's ever trained a three-year-old out there. Sharing a bridle horse is hard. Sharing a three-year-old, I can't even imagine. And to be able to do it to the success that you've done it, uh, I mean, before you uh, before 2017 ever come along, I figured you were world's greatest horseman. You need the trophy way before that. <laughs> so uh, uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, and it, it, do you find you have to do that more because of maybe the clientele up there and or, or is it just something that, I mean, that you like to do? Um, you know, I guess you, if they got a good horse and they want to ride it and you want to ride it, I guess something's got to give. So you just got to make the best of it and hope he's trained enough and a good enough horse that he'll be good for the non-pro and good for you as well. So right. well, I think that speaks volumes because, like I say, I know how hard it is to train three-year-old just to be good for me. And, and I've tried to train some for non-pros, and that's a whole other beast in itself. Like saying, you add that three-year-old element to it and, you know, trying to have them horses exposed to enough that they're safe to go down the fence on for a much more amateur sort of a rider. Wow. How much at home with your program, sharing with your uh, non-pros and your amateurs, about how how much time do they spend on the horse and when in the year do they start riding it on the three-year-olds? Um, they've always had other horses and so they would practice throughout the year on their other horse and then just you know they get to ride them maybe once a week or once every couple weeks starting maybe two months out or Mm. so you know tried to keep it at a minimum just to mostly keep the horses right as possible 
so that you didn't have two different programs to think about the whole time. So, so you got them locked down pretty solid. You're talking about just two months out from the fraternity. Yeah. So, I mean, you you don't you're not fighting it all year long. No, no, yeah. no, definitely not. I have enough trouble getting them trained for myself. So, when you add that other element in there early on, I think it would be extremely tough. Yeah, so you got to have a pretty solid program, John. To be, it's got to be pretty right rein, left rein, kind of both rein stop kind of program to be able to put more than one different non-pro or amateur on there. You've got to have a, a a pretty good, solid, no tricks kind of program to it, match up like that, huh? It has to be like that, Russell, for me too, because I'm not very smart, so I have to be able to remember it from day to day, you know. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I think you're talking to the choir here. I tell people all the time, I, I base my, my training programs based around the fact that uh, I'm not very smart and I'm kind of lazy. So I don't want to remember much and I don't want to work very hard. Yeah, <laughs> Keep it simple, right. stupid. Yeah, no, I found, uh, went through a little spell there where I had a handful of non-pros and like I'd work super hard at getting them right and then I'd work super hard at trying to get them to ride them right and by the end of the day I was irritated my non-pro was irritated and my horse was real irritated and so I got to where if they wanted to ride an aged event snaffle bit kind of a cow horse that they I I made them make the commitment they were going to ride that rascal three days a week or never and it had to be like for me it had to be one or the other and so that makes a lot of sense what you're saying there as far as you've got them pretty solid there and then you just kind of let them on, get on there and feel it out a little and go you, horse show. More just feel it out, yeah, and then just go show them. Well, probably too as big a, big a part of that as anything is that they had another horse. Yeah. I bet. mean, they can't not ride. No, they have to ride. You bet. Yeah, they yep. got to ride. So do you show with them much uh, pre-fraternity up north or uh, what's your program on those three-year-olds before you get to the fraternity with the horses you were sharing with your non-pros and your amateurs? We we would both show them at the pre-fraternity at home. You know, if one of us messed up an event, same same as at, at the big fraternity, if somebody messes up an event, that's it. You're, you're out. Mm. Um, it's like world's greatest, sudden death. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you mess, messed up, then you're out so the other guy can... Have a better shot. Have a better go, yeah. That's what my wife does when I catch ride her horses, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I stub my toe, man, hope you, you enjoyed the ride. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, but <laughs> you're afoot now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you twisted the breast collar. You're out. No, no, you're not even going in there. Wrong bridle. Sorry. <laughs> you're off. So, because not only is uh, sharing them a big deal, but when you're both going... That also limits the amount of schooling that you're going to be doing because you got horses running twice. It's not like you're schooling a horse for one person to show. So, you know, it comes into realizing you can't overdo them. You got to be a little more careful about you. You just can't go out there and school and school. No. Or let them school and school either. Yeah, they got to try and you got to keep them pretty fresh, you know. And, you know, at night it's kind of limited. They get to stop them a couple times and. And that's about it. And maybe work them once in the practice pen before they show. And just say, same as me because, you know, you're dealing with a three-year-old, so you you don't have an endless endless supply of horse. And you're going to need them if you make the finals. Yes, you bet. Especially if you do it twice. And it's been a lot of great horses do it. But you can't – you got to use your head a little bit, which uh, go back to what Chris saying, that's uh, that's good horsemanship. I like that. So early on, you're, you came from a training family. Yep, uh, my mom and dad trained jumping horses, and you know, showed some cutting horses and stuff like that. And did you follow suit with them? Did you get into the jumping at all? I had to. I, it wasn't a choice. Yeah, this is you're pretty young then. Yeah, I rode English and showed showed in the jumping, and I I had to I I got sent out for lessons because I was a poor listener, <laughs> <laughs> so I got sent elsewhere to ride. In the English? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because. Uh, that lessons were in English or Canadian? French. <laughs> yeah, French, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because, um, you know, with mom and dad, it was like, I always, I am doing that. I am doing that. And so sure. they, they eventually shipped me off to somebody else. Yeah, when I was a kid, my mom sent me to, uh, there was a guy, he'd been like an Olympic coach or something. And I, my first lessons were English yeah. in Alabama. Yeah, so I, I rode with Alan Brand for a while, and then finally 
weaseled my way out of it because I really didn't think that was cool. The English and the jumping, and I just wanted to rope. So, you ever wish you'd have stayed with that at all? Ah, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I know Sarah events, and so we follow a lot of the eventing stuff. And there's guy, uh, Mikhail Young, but this guy is, I mean, they're doing three events English, the dressage, and the um, show jumping and the cross country, and it is yeah, sweet, pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, and like when I've gone out with her to some eventing courses and stuff and walk those cross country. I mean, the jumps are unbelievable and intimidating, mm-hmm. but walking that course, by the time you get back, you're like, where's my horse? <laughs> like, let's get it on. I could see that being Fine. a huge deal. Huge yeah. deal. So what all English did they, did they more of the flat stuff uh, when you said the jumping, the show jumping? Yeah, it, it was, they were, I think, grooming me to be a show jumper and I managed to weasel my way out before. Well, I'm glad you found an event you sucked at. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it made our lives harder. Yeah, so you stepped off into the roping. Yeah, I, you know, high school rodeoed and did that stuff. And right after high school, I went to work for Les Timmons, and I didn't last very long at that. I decided I didn't want to be a horse trainer, so I went and worked at a feedlot for uh, five years or something oh, like really? that. Yeah, worked at Western Feedlot, and then uh, kind of figured it might be okay to try and be a horse trainer. Right. Was there something that happened that brought you back or just got tired of freezing in a feedlot? Yeah, sick of the winters. Yeah, riding outside all winter. Yeah. No indoor feedlots. No indoor feedlots. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. That no. doesn't happen. No, no. So, so while you're feedlotting, are you still roping some or? Uh, no, just jackpotting and stuff like that. Yeah. That was, that was all it was. Head or heel? Head. Mm. Yeah. No. Russell's a pretty accomplished team roper. He was the champion Tongue River Invitational. <laughs> there is that. There is that. There is that. I he was the only one entered. No, <laughs> I was not. <laughs> My God, I mean, the superstars were there. I mean, as high as Matt Cook. Huh? You had to get around Matt Cook. I got him. And now I retired. Cheating? Was there cheating involved? None. None? Straight up. I heard there was maybe a, maybe a power issue. Maybe... Russell got ahead and cut the lights. <laughs> this is a rumor I heard. Whatever. <laughs> Win's a win, I say. Yeah, yeah. If we don't clean this interview up, John's going to pull the plug on his mics. <laughs> <laughs> so you're working in the feedlot. Roping comes in handy there, huh? Yep. Doctoring in the pen stuff. Uh, still riding. So Les Timmons has helped a lot of people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Up north, I hear that name a lot. Yep good hand and when you get back in you get back on your own or do you go somewhere how do you step back into the uh, Uh, training i just kind of started up my own little deal and kind of started getting some better and better horses and so when you first start out are you just breaking colts or you yeah rode a lot of colts not really are you headed for the show pin yet or just riding no just was just was riding colts and with the idea of hopefully getting there someday had you were you leasing your own place or did you bought your own place? No, there, or I, you I was just at mom and dad's. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And was brother training? Uh not yet. No, I don't know. It was a few years later when he he started. Yeah. So now you're probably early twenties. Yeah, just just about twenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just twenty. Yeah. <laughs> exactly twenty. Got done with school quick. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Didn't want to go to college. No, no. It seems to run in the family. School. School and I didn't get along very good. No, did was you have the authoritarian problem? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it, Russell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A little trouble with authority. Yeah, you just needed me to come along a little sooner and offer the manhood. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would have really been helpful. <laughs> could have been in touch with his with his sensitive side a little sooner. Right. He could have got along. Yeah, I think we're no, lo- we're losing out there in the I think, pins. I think Ben might be falling asleep on us over here. <laughs> well, he's young. Ben says this is. This is a longer day than school. <laughs> Go out. For people that don't notice, our mastermind of this deal is uh, 15 years old and does a heck of a job on our production side, but he is uh, fading on us pretty quickly over here. He'll develop stamina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, school, did you play sports? I mean, you're in Canada, so you got to play hockey. Yeah, no, I, I played hockey when I was little, and I, I wasn't very good. I can't skate, so... <laughs> That's a serious drawback. Curling? It, it, yeah. No. More of a curler? No sports. I played some baseball. That was it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a good athlete. 
No, so sports and I didn't get along good. Gotcha. So he got on horses because they are athletes. There you go. Yeah. Genius. Vicariously through the four-legged creature. Got to yeah. try and stay on them. Yeah. I saw some pretty <laughs> athletic maneuvering on a video not oh. long ago. Was that in Idaho? Beautiful. What was that? Uh, no. Yeah, that, that was, was that Idaho? No. That was at home. That, that was, was in, at home. Yeah. yeah. That was in Canada. Red Deer? Claire's home. Claire's Snaffle bit for charity. Yep. For the, those of y'all that haven't seen it, find it on the internet someplace. There's a video of John Swales. His horse stumbles, and he ends up getting off his horse and basically steer wrestling this cow while he's going down the fence. Well, yeah, but give him credit. First, he manages to get in front of the saddle horn while leaving his feet in the stirrups. Right. Not easy. No. Then he makes a overloads. Makes yeah, a man, man hugs the neck. Yeah. He's put an extensive amount of weight on this horse's front feet who manages to stay hooked with the cow manages to carry me and carry him with his poor little neck doing all it can do to hold him up (laughs) keeps him right where he needs to be and then just gently places him on the cow and turns it on its own yeah oh did i miss something no that that was pretty much it Russell. Yeah. yeah and probably the only thing keeping it from being the ultimate perfect video of all time is he didn't just go ahead and bulldog him but i'm telling you he was there he had no horns in his defense thank he you. had him by thank the you ears. chris well, yeah. he could have done it can't don't pick on my hero <laughs> bill pickett style yeah bill pickett <laughs> bite a lip yeah bite a lip <laughs> yeah if you haven't seen that see it it runs in the family great great videos this is online. the viral family yeah yeah it is so viral. we know about uh, Clint's Appaloosa roping bucking experience. What about Veronica? Does she have any viral videos that we need to search out? No, not not yet. There's going to be one There's coming. Time. Especially someday, the company though, she's yeah. keeping. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. The time's coming. So, but probably you might know a story. Oh, <laughs> There, there's, <laughs> there's a story. There's been some good buck-offs, yeah. And there was one, I, I recall one day, it was before the NRCHA World Show, we had body-clipped one of my bridle horses because he was very hairy. And he was a little bit snorty anyways. And I asked her, you know, just throw a saddle on him and go, go lope him for me. So not really thinking about the ramifications of that. Um, she <laughs> threw a saddle on him and off she went and she got on him and he blew up bucking and she ended up, I believe in front of the saddle horn <laughs> and Common. every time she would be just about off, he would pick her up again with his neck oh. and <laughs> that's the worst. Won't let her out. Let me out. Yep. It was spectacular. And let me out the washing machine. <laughs> finally, he picked her up but kept going past her and whipped her down on the other side and knocked her out kind of oh, it was it was good stuff she had no cow to break her fall no no, no cow no cow landed Not on her ponytail and <laughs> cooled herself a little yeah, it was, was the ground frozen uh no but it it was probably pretty hard it was hard enough yeah yeah <laughs> so, so you've got a large family by our standards anyway how many kids you got? I have three boys. Three Swales boys. Yep. Wow. And uh, how old are they? Uh, the oldest is 13. That's Tyree. Lane is 11. And Blue, or Levi, is 7. seven. We call him Blue. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought there was just three. I was waiting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you forgot one or no, something. No, yeah, we call him Blue, but his actual name's Levi. Oh, I see how you get Blue out of Levi. Almost the same. Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Got blue eyes. He's the only one with blue eyes. eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. (laughs) Blue eyes out of a red bearded guy. I know. Got some splaining, do Lucy. Uh, Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So when your oldest Tyree's thirteen, where were you at in your training process? Your training, your career when uh, you guys had Tyree? I yeah, I would have been just. Showing at home, I think. Trying to figure out how to train one, I guess, yeah. Right. So trying to make a living. Yep, yep. That's been uh, kind of the overreaching theme that I've been wanting to find out about how you struggle through those early years of your career and having that responsibility of having your family. 
and how to feed them. Yeah, just, you know, we started a lot of colts and showed the ones that were I, I deemed good enough, you know, just led to better and better horses. And just stayed right up there pretty local at those yeah. times. Those yeah, days. showed a lot at home. Yeah. Um, mostly cow horse, yeah. John, or some cutting and other did, stuff? Or? I did show quite a few cutters um, up until... I guess 2010, I guess, was the last year I showed at, like, cutting Futurity Colts and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, much rope horse training at the time? or I used to train the odd rope horse. Not not a bunch, though. No, Not much. No. There, uh, is it AQHA big up there? I think it is, Russell, with the pleasure horses and halter horses, but not so much with the roping and, and the cow horse. Yeah, so not a real market. No. Not a real avenue there for no. you at all. And so when you're going around there uh, showing... At the local Cow Horse Club shows? Yep. yep. And who's putting all those on? Um, the ARCHA, which is the Alberta Rain Cow Horse Association. They they run two, pretty much two shows a month for just weekend shows. And there's a snaffle bit derby in the spring, two futurities in the fall that have derbies at them as well. Are and you real involved in that association? I used to be on the board. I haven't been for quite a few years, though. Uh, when do you start looking south? To come down here to the major events and stuff. When did I? Yeah. Um, It was 2005. I came to try the world's greatest horseman. That's what brought you. Deal, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I wanted to try that. It wasn't very good, but (laughs) I I knew then what I had to try and do. And when you started coming to the world's greatest, were there any four events up north in Canada? No, I don't. uh, Yeah, there was. There, There was one... Uh, in Saskatchewan, it was it was called the Canada's Greatest Cow Horse Event. Yeah, I heard that. I was wondering if it was for you, came or not. Yeah. So, and it's still going. No, that one has been done for quite a few years. But in Alberta, there's there's been one um, Canada's Greatest Horseman. They've had that mm. quite a few times. Yep. Kind of picked up. Yep. So in '05, was that the year you had Echo and? Did you have like an illegal head catch or something? Was that that year? No, 05 was, I had a horse, his name was EF Pepe Cola. I got you. Yeah. So it must have been 06. I think I was scribing that year. Um, oh, it would have been 2011 maybe. Oh, really? I had him. Late. Yeah, I had Smart Miss Wolf for 2009, 2010. Yeah, and I had an illegal head catch on her. Oh, okay. That was who okay. I yeah. I remember scribing. I was scribing for Doug Ingersoll. And he runs out there and whatever illegal, maybe roped a front leg or something and kicks this thing up and around and circles this cow and pulls that rope off. And I mean, like, no time elapsed. Sweet. It was, and then gets it off, rebuilds, and smokes one on there. And, I mean, it was as impressive of a run that you could see with a miss in it. Yeah. And, I mean, it was cool. So, when you come the first time, what goes wrong in 05? Did you make finals? No, I didn't make the finals. No. No. Yeah, I didn't show very good in the cut. And then... I was terrified, Russell, you know, being that far away from home. Yeah. So what? it was it was pretty scary and I didn't do very good. But what about that first loop in the roping at the world's greatest? I thought it was I roped a lot my whole life. I didn't really it wasn't PRC or anything, but my first loop at the world's greatest was just don't miss was just that that's terrible. A very hard concept when you have that one steer to rope for that much money. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught and I just don't even know how I open my hand. Yeah. And had never experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. That's remember my first year. It was 12 or 13 was my first year showing in that deal. And wow. Like, and that's all, that's the only event. That was the event that I wanted to do, right? That's where I fell in love with the <laughs> event. And so I, it, I had this event on such a pedestal and it was, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, yeah. Puckered brings on a whole new term. <laughs> So when you get done with that, what are you thinking? You go home and you know what you're working on, or yeah, yeah. There, I knew kind of what I or thought I knew what I needed to do when I went home, and took me a few years, and came back in 2009. Oh, in nine, so yeah, uh, four years. Yep, another different horse. Yeah, different horse. Yeah. And the coolest thing about that event, we talk about this event being sudden death, but fast forwarding back up to uh, 2017. That event, the herd didn't go 
as planned, really, there, as I recall. No, it didn't. Chris, it's I, bad help, I think, out front. Oh, must, have, <laughs> must have been. Uh, I marked a whopping 207, yeah, in the, Bam. In in the, the finals. finals. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and turn around and be the winner. So, I mean, it's like never say die. Never. Never quit. And almost, it's almost like a relief because now you just go for it and mm-hmm. everything else. Y- yeah, just let it all hang out, I guess, in every event. Yeah, as much as you can. So what is one of your, was that one of your biggest um, wins? Yes. That world's greatest. Yep. Did it help you in your getting horses and? Uh, yes, I think it did. For sure, yeah. And quality. Yep. So that was a pretty long road. Set what's that, 11 years? Yeah. And then pulled it off. But, you know, such a tough one to pull off. Mm. One horse, one rider deal. Sudden death. It, did it help? Did you see a lot of effect from that at home? People at home recognizing it and maybe thinking about um, bringing you some more bridal horses for it. Um, yeah, a little bit, Russell. Yeah, there's been there there has been some opportunity there from it for sure. Yep. I know down here, like you say, the guys that are immersed in the event have obviously known who you are for a long time. But from a kind of an outside perspective down here, I feel like that really in the eyes of the uh, Americans really put you on the, I mean, on the map, kind of an out of nowhere kind of a deal. Yeah. So like I say, it's kind of that same deal. What, 20 years to be an overnight success. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what happens. So, um, paparazzi following you around. <laughs> oh, everywhere. Yeah. Downtown black diamond. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to say, John, like you got you guys up there training them smaller pins and stuff, and I go up there, I don't know, a year ago or two, and I judge. And um, I go up there, and it's a tough little, show, tough little pin, tough little show. It's like uh, Caldwell used to be, and the cattle are pretty tough. And I see you come in there on between four and five derby horses and four and five fraternity horses, and I think you messed one run up. And the cattle were not simple. They were a little slow on the end, so they made you think maybe they weren't going to run, but they had tons of feel. If you crawled up on them too soon around the corner, they'd start running, but if you got up there too soon, they shut off on you, and I was just, I was really impressed with your grasp of the fence work and being able to handle every cow that came out there, and I was wondering if, how, how did you get to wrapping your head around the fence work, and what's your theory in it, and what's the base of your fence work? When you're training, you know, the base of my fence work is, is, uh, those horses just better not let a cow go anywhere without them. You you know, I want them to do it on their own. I just kind of want to be a passenger if at all possible, you know, I'll, I, of course I'm going to help them out, but at home they better do it by themselves. So what do you do a lot of at home in your training? Uh, as far as say a maneuver, a rate go by, um, uh, just lots of running beside those cattle so those horses run beside cattle and they don't care they just that's their safe place do you go all the way around the pin a lot lots or? yeah yeah lots yeah. Lots, of laps. lots of laps in those little pins <laughs> yeah yeah lots of laps yeah and you know in the when we were in the 120 foot indoor we just go round and round and round and round and just make those horses go as close to those cows as i could possibly go and just that was their safe place, and they better stay there. Mm. I've found sometimes, like, we get such big pens down here that sometimes you don't get enough opportunity to get around that corner. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been at places that had, you know, 175 by 350 outdoors, and, you know, it's nice because you're not running into anything, but at the same time, them horses, it's a super good situation for them all the time. So sometimes you get in a pen that's, little smaller and things are happening a little faster and that's just like whoa holy crap so i mean and like i know guys down here there are guys around that have smaller pins and i would try and go over there and work down the fence um i know i'd go to robert jones and like get in there and let him get a hold of that cow boxing and it, it was supremely beneficial so i think a lot of guys now are they they're wanting to build as big a pin as possible but sometimes uh maybe to their chagrin maybe at times because they don't you know, in those little pens, they gotta, they have to take the heat and stay there. Yeah. Well, plus you probably get more corners. You know, in them great big pens, your cows out of air and your horse yeah. out of air. After about three corners, even if you are going to try to go all the way yeah. around, 
Whereas in them smaller pens, you just, it's just corner set it up, corner set mm-hmm. it up, corner set up for eternity. And would you agree, John, that how you come around that corner is it sets up the whole run? It definitely does. Yeah, for sure. And what about the difference between cattle up there and down here? Uh, our cattle don't have near the head. I, I don't feel as the cattle here. Um, they're a little number, more, a lot more British and a lot more English because up there for yeah. the cold. Yeah. And, and you step down here and you start getting that bramer in. Yeah. So it's negative a little more leg on them and yeah. stuff. So do you use, uh, how do you deal with, um, cattle that are a little quicker feely? Uh, say you're coming down here, the fraternity, you know, them, them cattle are going to shut off when you get to, Hey, they might shut off when you get to the shoulder. Yeah. Whereas up there, you've been going to your back cinch. Yeah. What do you do about that? just try and make sure those horses are pretty tight when they run up beside a cow they're they're waiting for it yeah do you try to get on some of those kind of cattle down here before you go or ideally yes yeah yeah i'll make sure they get in the practice pen at at the show and as many like once or twice and just make sure they're screwed down pretty tight so them smaller practice pins probably right in your back door with the feelier cattle, uh, not a real problem. You're used to the smaller practice pin yeah. as far as going yeah. by and stuff. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. What do you see a common issue that you see people having with the fence work across the board in, in the shows, everywhere you go? The biggest one I see a lot of is people being laid out of the corner. You, you know, making those horses run to catch that cow instead of leaving with the cow. What? How much do you put into how you handle the boxing to set that up? You know, Russell, I feel to a certain extent that you set your fence run up in the box. So in my own head, I put a lot of emphasis on the boxing. So what are you trying to accomplish while you're boxing your cow? What's your mindset when you step in there and look at and start moving that cow? And what are you trying to get done in uh, the boxing? You know, I want to try and get a read on that cow. And I want to teach him that I can stop him. And try and put some feel in him, I guess, you know, if he, if he doesn't have any and mostly try and get a read on the cow, how, how hard he's going to run. And, you know, they, of course they lie to you a lot down there, but. So what are you doing with the cow that comes out and just doesn't go anywhere that wants to play boxer with you on the end? I'll let him play for a second. Then I'll try and send him somewhere and stop him, send him somewhere and stop him and be gone. Mm. Uh, you feel like a lot of times people stay a little long down there and take a little feel off them cattle? Um, especially at home. Russell, I do, because a lot of people have the idea that they want to take air out of the cow in the boxing for some reason, and so they do stay a long time, yeah, instead of just putting some feel in it so you can stop it and get gone. And it seems like you, if you, with that mentality, what it'll bite you a lot of the time is even after the first turn, even as soon as the second turn, you start losing that feel. You, you, you do definitely, and um, our cattle at home, you know, they you make them mad. Yeah. Knocking them around down there for too long. And then, then they're on the, say you get through your second turn, now they're kind of on the fight, you're struggling to get yeah. your first circle. Yeah, you can't stop them for your second turn, down the fence, whatever. Yeah, there's various things that come about because of it mm. yeah, um you feel like it's hard to keep them circles and stuff rolling when that cow doesn't have the motion taking you somewhere in that pin it definitely yeah 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 you you know if you knock too much cow out of that cow or too much cow out in the boxing you know you, you're not gonna have enough cow to finish the run um what's your ultimate run in your mind how you know one turn each way and one tight turn each way, no loops, roll into the middle and circle up tight. Do you uh, put a lot of stress on getting circled in the middle of the pin in your mind? Yes. Have you messed with switching in front very much on a cow? I do at home quite a bit. Yeah, I do. What are the benefits and negatives of that, trying to pull it off in a show pin? Oh, those cows that fall away from you are really hard to hard to get up that far on, you know. Um, I've, I've not done it very much in the show pen, but... I do it at home quite a bit just to make sure those horses follow that cow's head around. Mm. One thing I found, I got into a little deal where I was switching in front all the time at home and loved it and was trying to team and with the intention of trying to do it more in the show pen. I found that them horses were almost, they got some of them 
would get a little strong. Mm-hmm. And they were like, if I sent them to that cow, they might take me up there a little faster and might start shutting those cows off early. Yeah. And I sure run into that. And so I've had to go back and I still do it a lot, but I, I've had to go back and switch behind a yep. lot. Like the last two years I have a uh, shoot Clay Vollmer. He got me on it. Cause I had one that was mucho strong. I sent this something under the middle and it was, I had no more input on what was going on. <laughs> and so for a couple of weeks before the fraternity, it was just switch behind, switch behind, Dr. Cows and switch behind. And, uh, you know, and so like I say, there can be some ramifications there, I think. You know, and talking about that boxing, I don't know. Uh, the way I look at it a little bit is a lot of times I'll leave sooner with a wilder cow, right? If it's wild, almost dragging me around that corner, but I got good position, I'm not – going to be opposed to going no maybe a turn or two before i really wanted to if i've got good position on him around that corner because if he's wild like that the chances of me getting it set up and being in a good position around that corner again are slim and i'd just soon take that air of him out of him down the fence especially if i've got the advantage and getting out of that corner up there in the neck where i want to be i'm going to take that shot and them cows that come out the worst thing for me, what I like, is the cows that come out and then just turn around and don't look at you and don't do mm. nothing. I'm going to stay on the end. That, that, those are the cows I'm going to stay on the end longer. I'm going to make that rascal move and get moved around because those are the ones I really feel are the liars. Yeah. And you be like, oh, this cow's going to be soft. And then you turn around there and you don't have any feel on him. And then he sees open country and is just don't know you're mm. there and blows under your neck yeah. and does all kinds of ignorant stuff, you know. And so – it's a little counterintuitive to stay down there on a quieter cow. Yes, it is. And yeah. you'll hear people in the stands like, what's he doing? Like, he's got to, he needs to go. I'm like, well, you go. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where he's going to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I can't figure out where he's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then those, that what I hate about those is they make you pull off a little more to get him to go. And then you're opening the center yeah, of that yeah, pin yeah, up. Yeah. I'm on that corner. Yeah. Uh, like they're not letting you you get in there to push them. They just turn back on you. Yeah. I know uh, in Pueblo, you run into cows. Uh, we used to show there a lot in that pen for some reason. And cows had come out and they would run back and forth fast on the end, but they wouldn't try you. Like they weren't trying to get by you. They were just running from side to side. And on those, I found that you had to get out of there right now because about three trips around that pen and they were going to air themselves out. And if you got them turned once, they would just flat quit. Yep. And you were out of luck. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And Especially so if you hit them hard in that first turn and then you, they just give just up. Ice them right there. And, and you can't. Yep. Now you're, you go about 10 feet for your second turn and then trot Ugh. around the circle. That's it's fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, get the heck out of here. Try not to touch them because they might fall over. Right. Plum easy. Uh, how much do you put into going and watching the cattle in front of you? Yeah, I, I want to see a few runs. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Definitely try and watch as many as I can to see what, what the majority looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you change your game plan quite a bit for that? I, I, w- I will if they if they look really strong or if they look really weak, you know. It just depends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, like sometimes you – and sometimes you go watch the first two or three. I see this a lot at the shows. You watch the first two or three and you think you know what the cattle are going to act like. And – Something about those first ones will mm. be completely different. Yeah. If you'll watch five and six, they'll give you a better idea. I don't know if the different cattle just get in the front of the herd back there or what. I think so, yeah. The, the wild ones will go to the back, and the good ones, first ones will peel off. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite kind of cow to work, color or breed, either way? Boy, I, I, I don't know the ones I can mark high on. <laughs> <laughs> How's that sound? I tell oh, folks I, I, I need I need a cow. I, I, what I'm looking for in a cow is it's got both eyes and at least three legs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. What are you looking for? What are you changing anything for your future? Are you focusing, say, on derbies or fraternities, bridal horses? What do you think about the industry just going forward from right here? You know, I think the industry looks very positive. You know, with the entries that were at the Snaffle Bit Futurity, and it seems like there's a lot of colts out there and think that's a positive thing and as far as me russell i'm just trying to get better do you see the horse numbers improving or uh, getting bigger in canada the same as they are here right now after the fraternity yes it's, sure. it's it's been good at home as well yeah yep. have you guys had a, you haven't had a show yet up there this year have you no 
So, and your first one will be in March? Yeah, April. April. April will be our first one. Yep. Then you'll know about the derbies. What about your prices up there? Are they getting any stronger? Oh, you know, they're, they're not definitely not like they are here, but you can get okay money for them. Yep. Are they holding in how, how far off are they from here? Do you think for the same horse? They're, they're a fair ways off Russell. Um, we don't have the buyers. Um, we don't have the people that see the usefulness of a cow horse. You know, we don't have, have the association that is down here. You know, that there's a lot of, a lot of people in the around this area that that are in the industry so it it keeps your prices up you know people people are wanting to do it at home our association our association's quite small so we don't have the the people looking for the horses you know so don't have the same demand yeah you yeah. bet so we have to price accordingly and stuff so do you because in california it wasn't what it was here by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of, it's crazy down here in Texas, even the Oklahoma area, the amount of people that want a horse. Yeah. And so then your demand's up. So do you see your bloodlines changing up there? Do you see you guys yourself being able to sell horses this way for more money going forward? Not, not this way. No, not like down here. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No, yeah. no, I don't think so. But um, we are definitely getting better and better bloodlines at home all the time you know there's there's people buying come to the cutting futurity and buy some nice colts and and there's getting to be some better stud horses and broodmares at home so up there yeah, yeah you bet and the um the bridal horse market up there have you seen the, any improvement in it yet you know the bridal horse market is okay um there's lots of people looking for bridal horses maybe not wanting to spend the money that they're maybe worth and you know there's they're far and few between at home is there anything up there like uh, an equivalent to the high school rodeo down here yes they do have the cow the cow horse in the high school rodeo at home yep and that's a can now do they come down to the they have these finals i think they have been coming there's been a couple kids come down for the national finals yeah right so outside of horse training you're an avid hunter how's the hunting season been it was pretty good yeah yeah it was it was a good year What'd you get? Got a 200-inch mule deer and a pretty nice elk. and Yeah. Nice the boys go hunting with you? Uh, t- this was Ty- Tyree's second year hunting, and he shot a pretty nice elk. So, yeah, he was pretty excited about that. Right. Yeah. The younger boys, they in there yet? or? Oh, uh, they want to, yeah. But uh, they got a couple of years to wait still. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about, imp- I don't know about you, I've, been, I've had two jobs in my life, and I was fired from both of them. You ever, did you have much employment history other than the feedlot? Uh, I worked for Les Timmons, and I didn't make it very long there. Did you quit or did you get fired? I, I actually quit, Chris. Yeah. I, I got one up on you then. I wanted to go. <laughs> Two to nothing. Well, horse training wasn't for me at that point, so I went to work for Western Feedlots and, and uh, yeah, was there for a while and then decided to I wanted to be a horse trainer, so I quit. Uh-huh. And are you guys still there at the family place, or do you have another? Do you guys get a new place? Uh, we built a new place west of Millerville. Yep, about forty minutes from the from the family place there. Yeah, right. and is your wife involved in your business? Yep, yeah, she like me and Russell, like Russell anyway. Mine is my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does yeah, all she the kind of runs everything, bills and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, let you just focus on the horse training. Yeah, I'm pretty poor at returning emails and texts and stuff so right. so she has to do that as well that's yeah, very limited value <laughs> just like pays the bills i know it pays the bills and kills some meat now and then yeah 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 <laughs> yeah do you sew or no not much sewing no i thought about learning to knit this winter maybe rustle or something like that but i haven't got to it yet it's too so. cold for underwater yeah. basket weaving I yeah think. yeah <laughs> <laughs> your skiing career never took off no it didn't no no i had high hopes for it but i never took off so did you ever put any skis on i have skied a few times i'm very dangerous <laughs> very fast very little control oh ski or ski or snowboard ski ski yeah yeah so i have to share my snowboarding story <laughs> so we go i've never been any kind of winter sports, right? And my wife, she likes to ski. Her family skis. 
brother snowboards. So we go to Mount Rose, and we struggle through the bunny hill, and we get the lessons, right, the snowboard lessons, and we're pushing around with these 10-year-old kids, right, and they're mastering it. As we they're so annoying. Right before our they're eyes. so annoying. <laughs> the good news is by now I'm warm, right? Because this is a lot of work. <laughs> and so, Stupid tow rope. Yeah. So they're the, while while I'm learning and getting my solo lesson there with the group of children, my wife leaves me and goes up the ski lift, and they're having a big time. So I struggle through my lesson, and I go up the slope. We come down the bunny slope there a time or two, and. Every time I get this thing going, it's try whoa, 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 slow down. Just got this thing going. Yeah. I don't do slow very well anyway. And, and this guy don't know me. I got to go somewhere. So I make two laps around the bunny hill, and it is. You got it mastered it's, now. It's no, over. no, I don't at all. It sucks. Just tired of being there. Tired of being there. After the second lap around, I didn't even strap my foot in the other boot on the second time through. Like, I can't get the thing to go anywhere. I'm like, this thing's broken. Oh, so I make it back. I'm by myself. I'm on a family vacation. I'm by myself. Okay. <laughs> Sweating. Heading for the chairlift. No chair. No, no. At this point, I'm going to the clubhouse or whatever you <laughs> the ski lodge. Like, I seen there's some beverages in there, and I'm going to go hang out in there. That's my speed. It's warm. Like, I don't want warm at this point. I mean, profusely sweating. So I go in there, and I'm sitting there dejected by myself, feeling like just a bum, right? There I am drinking my beer. And in walks my family, my wife and her brother and his wife and my in, my father and mother-in-law. And they walk in, and it's like a movie. They're like throwing their hair back, and it's just like, oh, life is so wonderful. Like, oh, just come freshly in off the ski slopes, and here I sit with my beer. This is stupid, and I'm never going on a winter vacation again. Well, so we sit in there, kind of rejuvenate, and my wife talks me in to going up the next lift with them. Come on up. It'll be, Just, way it'll, be, it'll, it'll be way more. It'll be fun. It'll be way more. It'll be fun. Yeah. So there we are on our second. I've managed to get off the chairlift this time. I haven't wrecked anything. I got to the second chairlift. I get off of it. Well, on my way up the second chairlift, I realize that nature has called. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be someplace up there. There's people that work these lifts. Like there's a place to go. To pee. go. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in the woods. There's trees everywhere. everywhere. I'm like, Fine. So I get off the second chairlift, take my board off, and I go walking across the snow to over towards these trees. Got my board. I mean, feeling like a pro. Got my snowboard under my arm. Well, there's hard packed trails come to find out <laughs> where you walk and ski around up there. And when you get off that, you sink rapidly to your waist, chest, chest, chest. <laughs> so there I am. Like it's a, not as tall as you. No, like an inverted turtle. <laughs> And I mean, and I think I'm dying. Like, I mean, I'm face first in the snow and there's pushing with my arms. There's nothing to push on. Finally, self-preservation kicks in. You have a board, get it in front of you, push off of that. And all I can hear in the background is my father-in-law cackling. I mean, loudly slapping himself, laughing. I get myself, I get my board in front of me. I get pushed up out of the snow and I'm like, well... Didn't have the presence of mind just to go ahead and go pee and relax myself while yeah. I was in there. So I get back up, get my board strapped on. Like the restroom is at the bottom of that hill, and I point this board downhill, and away I go. And basically, all I know about snowboarding is lean on your toes to turn right and lean on your heels to go left. And we are carrying the mail, Mister. Down the hill. And I'm like crouched down, got my hand over here, like scooping a little snow, thinking I am like Sean White snowboarder, right? Here we go. Let's, we're doing it. Like, this is cool. I get around the corner, and they're hooping and hollering now, but I'm going Cheering way. Yeah. yeah. And there's ski patrol or whatever you call them. They're like, you need to slow down. I'm like, got it. <laughs> I'm a professional. When I get there. I turn this corner. I'm like, okay, now I need to turn left. I push on my heels. When I push on my heels, the world disappeared. <laughs> Back first, pow. Feet over the head, like tumbling wreck. I don't know. I couldn't see it, but it. I mean, I hope it looked as spectacular as it felt because it hurt. Anyway, I get myself back up. I don't. Nobody's checked on me yet because I was going fast. They have not caught up. I get and I point this thing. I'm like, 
still, the motivation is still there. I still got to go. I still got to get down this hill. <laughs> and I point to this rascal again. It's time I make one turn. I go to turn it back the other way with my toe, and I'm face first. Knocks my goggles off. I don't even – it hurts so bad, I don't even have to go to the bathroom anymore. I don't think I did anything to myself, but it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. That was my last game. Done. So – Were you that good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I – I would have been right in the same league, I think. Yeah. A lot of snow flying in my crashes. Yeah. The odd ski flying through the area. I love the snow. I, I did because I could go fast and the and the wrecks just weren't as bad as on ground. <laughs> I was a phenomenal jumper. I was a horrible lander. lander. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> but it just didn't seem to matter that much until you know, other people got in there. <laughs> so what is the, uh, I guess we kind of talked about the fence work, but what's the biggest training mistake or biggest misconception you think people have regarding the cow horses? Maybe too much direct rain in a fence turn. Mm. Yep. That'll get you. Pulling that, pulling that direct rain to try and get your turn. Popping the rear end out. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's all I could think about really. Yep. No, I'd say that's a big one. That's a big one. I just told him we were talking to somebody the other day about the cutting. I'm like behind about 80% of the lost cows at the snuff bit fraternity. There's somebody standing in an inside stirrup and pulling a rain. Like, yes, we have their body turned around, you know, like you just watch it time after time. Time after time. It doesn't make things go faster. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and I'm also like watching it, especially last year I got to, I got to um, commentate. So I'm right there in the booth over top. I was amazed at how many people come down and they're just going to go hold the line on cattle they're pushing on them instead of it it was very very common when I first started which there weren't very many new cows at all very 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 few people gave to the cow when they're pushing on them past the middle marker a lot and now it's almost as if they think they're going to go to the spot in the arena and they're going to go straight across as if it's they're working a flag and if it goes by them it's not their fault right the the it's not there's nothing holding you there you can <laughs> give as much as you want and there's the other thing is there's no rush you you can box for a long time mm-hmm. there's no time limit i really feel like you wind up with the direct rain mm-hmm. and losing the hip and that cow just gets deeper and deeper on you and then pretty soon they run by you and you're going after them Luckily, you get a lot of new cow whistles. But uh, I wished I could see a little more, especially now we're going to the Will Rogers. That is a bowl down there. Yeah. I mean, that's some danger. When you go down in there and to engage that cow, if you can't step in there, move it, give ground, and go hold it, man, it, it can really develop. Super hard worse. to box a cow outside of the gate area. Like, if you try and box that cow in front of the bucking chutes, like, that gets a little tricky. You're not just going straight across there and holding that line. You're going down the fence whether you wanted to or not. I wonder, too, as the industry, we spent a lot of years in big flat-backed arenas, and there wasn't a lot of necessity to give. Mm-hmm. Earlier on, it seemed like we showed in a lot smaller arenas or in Reno, and then it just got to where we're used to just going back and forth, and people kind of lost the give. Well, now seems like we're getting back into a lot more um, arenas there around nose, you know, the that one up there in Oklahoma City at the at the AQHA World Show, that one's a bear. It's round. Them cattle run. The flat wall is not very long. If you get past the flat wall and that wall starts pushing starts them cattle into you, yep. They come to you and if you can't move out to get by, you just right <laughs> clickety clackety clack right on around marker after marker. That's how I built this arena here in Will Rogers. There's a hundred and thirteen foot of straight wall in the Will Rogers arena. That's exactly what I mean. According to my tape measure, that's what it was. Yeah. So, yep. And that pin's uh, 247 feet long from gate to gate. And so my, my arena here at the house is 315 long, but I got 100 foot of straight wall. Mm-hmm. So I've got that simulation of, 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 that, of that corner so that so that you can practice it. Your horses can get used to that. And it's just a little different move, I feel like. you know. And so, like I say, it's hard to find an arena like that to practice in. Mm. I think I had to just learn about it. Basically in Oklahoma City. Well, we had the Texas Classic we'd show in down here. And between there and Oklahoma City, those were my two opportunities to learn how to handle that situation. Most of the time it was for money. Mm-hmm. You Have you worked on that since moving here more, John, or 
not much different than what you were used to practicing on up there. No, I, I haven't worked on it much. Um, we don't. We have one round-ended arena we show in at, at Calgary Stampede, and that's that's about the only one we have at home. Are you square cornered or round cornered in your practice in your training pin? Uh, they're both both square, but those cows come for you in the indoor because it's ninety wide and yep. they are coming for you. Come to you. Yeah. So, do you think that it m- makes you develop more feel getting around the corner with that square corner? practicing versus the round corner i find the square corners harder for myself you know because those horses when you're driving that cow across the end that cow's 75 percent of the time going to stall in that corner so you know i find that difficult so zero margin of error in that square corner yeah and to make those horses wait because by the time you hit that corner they're thinking heading down the fence you know so whereas for me the round corners are they have more flow to them. It's real easier. easy to be late. Real easy to be late in that dead square corner. It, it, it seems to be, yes. Remember, that's how Reno was like in 02. Back in the day, it was almost recessed. Remember that out gate mm. was right in the corner. And them rascals would go over there and yep. like but hang on that gate latch. Idaho has the same thing, you know, because that out gate's right there. And about three quarters of the way through your run across the end before you go down the fence, that cow will stall and want to turn back at that gate you know talking about working them cattle longer uh people staying a little longer taking a little air out and i find i remember them switching to the round corners originally when i went most everything was a square corner and it when you had the square corner you did not stay as long because the longer you stayed and the more air you took out of them cattle the tougher and tougher it got to get around that square corner yeah, and I mean, it was just, it just kind of forced you down the fin, the pin, and made you think more about more turns and less boxing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, ideally, a fresher cow won't hunt that corner as much as when you've overboxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find I'll watch, and if I'm watching and I think, okay, that's where I'd go. And if they stop that cow again, then the next time when they go to go, they might be in the right spot, but like they train that cow to stop over there yeah. and then things will set up right mm-hmm. there in that corner. I mean, it's almost like you can just about set your watch by it and you get to looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can watch, um, watch people. They'll stay a little long and then they, they've really done a lot of just keeping that cow in the middle of that boxing. And then it's kind of aired up. So now they want to go. So they got to drop back a little more to get around that corner. But they've taught that cow that every time they come, they're going to stop it. Mm-hmm. So they drop back a little more. That cow starts rolling. Now they need to get there uh, to go get position on the cow. And they're running up there and right about the flank, this thing shuts, shuts off. Yep. Because they kind of run out air and they're looking for the stop all the time. I, I see that a lot. And I, want, I wonder a little bit about, we've had them around corners for so long that people haven't had to go with cattle with a little more go. And it also seems like being able to box them longer, go around that easier corner, we've gotten away from the three-turn run, which was, that was the ultimate when I first started. Mm-hmm. Everything was a three-turn run. And now we're really, we're a two-turn kind of industry in the cow horse. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I'm, I'm just personally, I lean, I lean to my third turn as much as I can, because I mean, like saying, unless my cow, say, because I really like to make a turn somewhere near the center of the pin. Yeah, you bet. And so, if my second turn's in the center, then I'm fine with it. But I sure like to try and set them rascals up. The, the two turn thing has become, you know, almost a standard. You see a lot of people do make their second turn and almost feel as though they have to go circle. You know, I, I see that quite a bit, and way too much cow run into the center, you know, and and it, it would have been simple to go make another turn and... Shape up. Yep, knock a little more out of that cow and, and get some more shape, you bet. The emphasis in the judging, too, with the finishing strong, that's been a big deal when you just come back from a judges' school, and big emphasis put on finishing strong, yep. you know, and so you might have some big turns, but then... Like say, if you take a risk that doesn't pay off down that man, you know, when you go to circle with too much, they will chop your head yeah. off right yeah. there. And supposed to. Yeah. You got to pay when you mess up. If you roll the dice and lose, you lose. Well, do it. you do you see more three turns in the smaller pins up north? Yep. Yeah. 
Because it just it just shapes up that way, huh? It shapes up that way, and for that second turn, Russell, because that you know that pin's pretty short, you're you're down quite a ways towards your outgate for that second turn. So you, really tough to get to that you, center. Huh? You better try and take him back down and chop him in about the middle somewhere. Yeah, get yourself a little get yourself a little room off of that back gate. Yes, because for sure. My God, you can just feel the points falling off your run when you're wallering around down there by the outgate. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nothing worse than hitting that thing for the switch. And, and that I think, back fence. I think too. I mean, once you get committed to that circle, a lot of times a guy feels like you're stuck to that circle, and you know, and maybe is afraid to switch sides because you haven't completed your first circle. But if you can keep trying to shape that cow to the center. Uh, I mean, that's what I try and make myself do because it's a way – I like my I like my odds a lot better than trying to bust hump and get around there and getting pride off that outgate. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think I did it last year at Snaffle Bit on the Dun Horse, and I got myself in a little situation to where I was down there in that end, and I just kept switching. And, shoot, I, they ended up just giving me credit. They just added all my quarter circles together, I think, because I don't <laughs> think I ever did make a full circle in either direction. <laughs> but they were tired of watching me switch. <laughs> I was like, I'm not giving up on this. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to let this cow get back to this gate. I mean, whatever I have to do to keep that from happening. But I think, like you say, in the heat of the battle right there, sometimes you just get kind of glazed over. Like, well, I went to circle. I got to get on around him. And there you are, watered yeah. up down there. And cow crosses in front of you to get in that gate. And it can get you and get, put you in a real dangerous situation besides losing points. Yeah. Yeah, and they're supposed to take the points away. Well, we sure appreciate you stopping by, John. A very unexpected surprise. And glad we got to visit with you. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. You bet. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse, full contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.